This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. It's that individual agent making an individual decision and all of those decisions add up to what you see that you don't like. Hi, welcome to EM Weekly, your emergency management podcast. And this week we are talking to Dr. Derek Corbera. And he's an internationally recognized expert in metacognition. That's basically thinking about thinking. And epistemology, which is the study of knowledge, right? Human and organizational learning and education. He completed his PhD and postdoctorate studies at Cornell University and has served in the faculty of uh, Cornell and a researcher at the Santa Fe Institute. And he leads the Cabrera Research Lab. Yeah, he has his own research lab. So this is the guy who we want to talk to about systems thinking and how do we apply systems thinking to the world of emergency management. I really was excited to get him on the show. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Well, let's get into the interview. Derek, welcome to Ian Weekly. Oh, thanks for having me. A little bit about your background here. You were a mountain guide climbing mountains all over the place and then just decided to create a whole new process of thinking? Uh, I wasn't the best student in the world. So when I left uh, high school, I, I really didn't have a ton of choices in terms of jobs and things like that. But one of the things I was relatively good at was, uh, you know, climbing mountains and, and that type of thing. So that became kind of my first job out of high school. And that led to uh, about 18 years as a career, uh, taking people up, up and down mountains all over the world. In, in the process of doing that, I you know, was exposed to all kinds of systems that are in the mountains, whether it's weather systems or, you know, avalanche systems or snowpack systems or, you know, gear and all those, all those things are systems and also got exposed to groups of people and the social dynamics that, that are part of the, uh, taking people up mountains. So I would say it didn't happen so quickly it, over many, many years of guiding and watching people almost in a laboratory of the mountains, I, I began to see uh, this reoccurring theme of all these different systems coming together to create kind of a complex situation. And, and it was my job to sort of better understand that complex situation and make sure that it was safe and that you know nobody got hurt and those types of things. So I think as a result of that, I, I, I began thinking in systems and then quite a bit later realized that there was a field called systems thinking. and um, and then began a, a career as a as a researcher and a scientist to study those things. So, in your talk that you you did when I was when I first met you, you talked about the idea that as an individual human, we are insignificant to the world. In other words, you stand in the middle of the of the mountains, and and the mountains do what they do regardless of what we do. And that got me thinking a little bit about what we do as as emergency managers specifically, when you have a Katrina or a Superstorm Sandy coming down the pipe, uh, 
it doesn't really matter necessarily what the individual person does. Uh, the storm's going to do what it does. We can't stop it. Um, right. How do we take the concept here of the systems thinking, complex complex incidents that are occurring, and complicated incidents that are occurring, and how do we manage those in the in the essence that Superstorm Sandy doesn't care what we do? I think that's a just sort of an important, almost philosophical uh, beginning step, which is you know most of our day and most of our life is is framed around people and, you know, our human relationships and the things we care about. And so we think those are the things that are, that are most important. But the truth is, you know, in reality, reality doesn't really think that way. And it doesn't really think in, in human ways or, or value the things that humans value per se. And, and so we are kind of very small and spending a good portion of your life in the mountains or in those kinds of environments teaches you that pretty quickly. The big thing that I would say about systems thinking is that it, it, not too long ago, maybe you know, in the, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, systems thinking was really something people thought of like a, a general in an, in an army surveying the battlefield and getting the big holistic picture. And then people said, well, we have this big holistic picture, but we need to fill it in with all the different details. And that led to kind of yielding wildly complicated maps that were in many ways frustratingly useless uh, because it was just so complicated. And today, I think what we're, what we're evolving into in terms of systems thinking is realizing that while, while those, that, that picture of how complicated and complex things can be is, is kind of overwhelming, that that picture is really an, a, an emergent property of what the system is designed to create. And so what we want to do is look for the underlying simple rules that are leading to that, to, to what we're seeing. And in that sense, the picture might be very, very complex and, and kind of bewildering and confusing, but knowing fundamentally that that complexity has simplicity underneath is really, really important. And being able to look for and find that simplicity is critically important. So in, in systems thinking, we're saying basically everything is sort of related, but at the same time does its own thing. Am, am I, am I simplifying that too much? Well, I think in, in systems thinking, what we're saying is that the, the world is very complex and that, that complexity is often uh, the result of the fact that things are interconnected a lot. And one thing over on far on the left side of the system can have a, a big effect on something on the far right side of the system. So it's not that they're literally connected, but they're, but they're interconnected eventually. Uh, and then the second thing that I think we're, we're getting at in systems thinking is, is the human factor, which is as systems thinkers, we're trying to do something to or with or because of this system. And what we know from the last 50 or so years of studying cognitive science and the mind is that humans are really, really biased uh, and we get things wrong quite a bit. And so systems thinking is kind of reconciling both those things. One is the systems part, there's complexity, but there's simplicity underneath and, and we need to look for those underlying simple rules. And then the other is the thinking part, which is you might as well just start with the assumption that you're wrong and mm -hmm. that you 
biased and and we're better off kind of seeing that up front than at the end right so this gets into the whole uh hairball theory right yeah yeah it's the the idea that there are these um hairball problems or wicked problems and uh a huge part of of systems thinking and wicked problems is that the the problems that we have are often the result of the mismatch between the way that the real world actually works and the way we think it works. And so uh, a huge part of that, one, is understanding how the real world works. It works in complex systems that have underlying simple rules. And the other part is understanding how you work in observing that, that, that world and the, the takeaway there is that, you know, a lot of times you're pretty biased, you, you being people, humans. In that case, sometimes our, our biases or our, presumpt- or our presumptions um, really challenge us in our decision-making processes, especially in, in a crisis, because we're projecting our own um, ideal specifically on what we think people should do. So, you know, go to the evacuation problems that we have. Um, we're assuming that the rational person wants to leave their home if they know a large storm is coming, but but they don't. And then it confuses, uh, you know, managers in the sense of, of why aren't people leaving and then it creates other problems. How, how can we use systems thinking and applying that to a problem like that, like evacuation? That- that's a great, great question and a great example because that really gets at all the different things we've been talking about. If you, if you, if you think about an evacuation and you take this view as the system's emergency planner or, or person in charge of the evacuation, you think to yourself, well, people are going to make rational choices. Well, we know that people don't make rational choices or they don't make uh, purely economic rational choices or their, their rational choices are made up of many more factors or many less factors than perhaps what you would perceive them to be. And the negative outcome of that evacuation that you see that you don't like is caused by individual agents, little, little people, millions of them, all on the ground making individual decisions. And that's where the simplicity is. It's that individual agent making an individual decision, and all of those decisions add up to what you see that you don't like. And so what, what you really have to do is understand how are those individual decisions made? With what level of bias are they made towards leaning towards which type of bias are they making those decisions? And how do you, um, how do you affect those individual decisions? And if you simply take kind of a rational approach to that, there's a pretty high probability that it's not going to work out the way that you think, because people aren't going to make decisions in that way. So when, when we're, we're looking at making these decisions as far as say an evacuation or any other kind of emergency notification that we're putting out or even planning processes, um, mm-hmm. uh, how can we use the, the concepts of, of systems thinking to work through that problem um, and, and make a rational I say rational, rational from the emergency management perspective, a rational decision on how, or projection, I should say, on how people are going to react to what, when we do things. Yeah. So I, I would look at, I would be looking at the, the, what we talk about a lot is complex adaptive systems. And these complex adaptive systems are based on um, 
the, the idea that the emergent property is caused by the collective dynamics of agents following simple rules. Those agents in this case are people, families, etc. And the simple rules are whatever they're, whatever they're using as a rule set to, to make the determination to, to do what the manager says or to not do what the manager says. And uh, prior to the event, we need to spend more time with folks understanding what things are going into their decisions. For example, I might, you know, in, an, in a not very smart way, I might say to myself, well, if everybody leaves, then there's going to be tons of traffic and I don't want to sit in tons of traffic, which will cause me not to be able to leave anyway. So I might as well stay. Right. Right. So, so that's maybe governing, you know, my decision. Now, what would convince me otherwise? And that's obviously something you have to do in between these crises is better understand the decisions people made or would make or have made. And why do they make those decisions and then the other piece is understanding that that when you when you have this emergency, those there's going to be some portion of the population that doesn't make the decision. So don't plan on um, people doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Plan on people doing exactly the opposite of what they're supposed to do. That's something we learned quite a bit working with with clients in the mountains. I mean, uh, you know a client will literally do exactly the opposite of what you tell them to do almost every time. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> and so you get, get to the point where you sort of say, okay, I'm going to tell them to do X. They're going to do Y and I'm going to be ready to ha- help them recover from doing Y, uh, you know, because that's pro- there's a high probability that's what they'll do. So that almost gets into the, the inversion, right? In, in, inverse thinking and that concept. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really is understanding the system and not sort of judging the system like, boy, how can these people be so stupid? It's not really it's not really that they're being stupid. It's that they're either they're, they're not informed, they don't understand it enough, or they're understanding their local environment and putting weighting their local environment more than they're weighting the global environment. So the planner is kind of weighting things at a weighting, meaning W-E-I-G-H-T, uh, weighting things at the global level, but the individual agents are weighting things at a local level. And that difference in perspective can cause a difference in perception and a difference in action and a different difference in the emergent property of the big system, the big global system. And so that, that means, I mean, we're really stepping now into like normalcy bias, making decisions based upon what we normally saw, uh, kind of like the long, going back to Katrina again, uh, people always said, well, you know, we've held through six or seven other hurricanes that came through. We're going to be able to hold through this one as well, compared to the fact that they weren't taking the heeding the advice uh, of emergency management. Uh, and so there's a lot of different things that are that are intertwining. So I think that's why I think uh, systems thinking to me is kind of exciting because we're taking a look at all these different aspects of people's behavior, but we can actually categorize them, I suppose, and, and kind of pre-plan with them if you kind of approach things with the systems thinking or am I being again am I simplifying this too much no that that's absolutely right and if you think about like a modern business context a lot of companies know now that you don't just have one customer you have multiple personas and companies spend a lot of money and a lot of time understanding 
the different personas that make up their customer base. And in many ways, that's what you're talking about. You, you, there, there are the people who are going to listen and they're going to do what, they're, what, what the government tells them to do or the planner tells them to do. There's the other people that, that are a different persona and they're going to receive that information in almost the opposite way to the first persona. And so you have to create a different set of, pers- a different set of information and instructions for those types of people that's going to hopefully convince them to and leverage them towards doing the things that you that you think are best. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about your product that you have that can help with the process of uh, planning and systems thinking. Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we connect people with the latest technology possible, whether it's mesh networking, augmented reality, or real-time translation, allowing people who need help to find help immediately. Better matters because lives matter. Welcome back from the quick break, and thank you so much for listening. And, and please reach out to our sponsors and, and let them know that you heard them here on Ian Weekly because really without them, you know, we wouldn't be able to put this, this uh, program on for you. So, Derek, before we went to the break, um, I kind of alluded to the fact that you have a, a product that you created um, to help with systems thinking. And uh, before uh, I let you guys know, I, I'm using that product right now. Um, we were able to, to play with it, and it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting. So, Derek, talk about your product, what it is, and how people can find it. Yeah, so uh, there's a number of products that we've created just to, to help people do systems thinking better. Because the first thing is the concepts of, of systems thinking, but then there's the doing of it. And in the doing of it, people really need sort of tactile tools that will help them do it. Just like a carpenter needs to know how to, how to do carpentry, but they also need tools. So one of the tools that we've created that we're pretty excited about is called Plectica. It's a software, uh, systems mapping software that allows you to kind of just basically through clicking and dragging and moving things around, um, it allows you to create a systems map of any situation or any scenario or any, any system that you're interested in, in sort of better understanding. And what it's using is the underlying system structures that we know about, systems thinking structures, but you don't really need to know those in order to use the software. You just get on and start clicking. You can make a card. You can label that card anything you want to label it, you can add you know, pictures or data or whatever to the card. Then you can relate cards to each other. You can group cards in, in various complex ways. And you can even uh, look at things from different perspectives. So you can look at a whole set of cards which might represent a community from any perspective, from the, the planner's perspective, from the agency perspective, from the, from the agent's perspective, the people on the ground. You can look at it from different perspectives and sort of see, oh, you know, I'm looking at this from a planner perspective. But when I look at it from a, you know, homeowner with 200 bucks in the bank perspective, it looks pretty different. Yeah, I've I've been using it, like I said, um, since you lectured us at the EMI and uh, playing with it. And I put a little presentation together and it actually made me look like really smart. So thank you for that. (laughs) That's great. So how could people, um, you know, get more information about, about the, that uh, system? Uh, it's called Plectica. It's P-L-E-C-T-I-C-A 
Com, and you can go there and get on. It's a, a free to begin with, and and you you can use you know you, you can learn it in you know five minutes or something like that. And then there's lots of other help help resources over on the right, and and um, we have books that that sort of describe the underlying ideas. We have a, a set of online trainings that you can take that range from you know ten minutes to to an hour to five hours uh, to get better and better at it. But the, the net effect is just that you're able to map very complex systems in in a way that, you know, really all you need to be able to do is, you know, point and click and drag. Uh, and you're able to map, you know, any any level of complexity. So I would go to Plectica.com and and um, and you can you can kind of start experiencing it. Plectica, by the way, is actually uh, comes from the term plectics, which is the study of how simplicity and complexity are actually highly interrelated. Hmm. So back to what we were talking about before, that underlying this complexity that is so challenging, there is often a set of simple underlying rules. You know, one of the things that in emergency management and specifically in, in emergency response and as a paramedic, we use this program called Start Triage, and uh, one of the things I always I pulled from that a long time ago, right, was the idea of starting where you stand. It's a, you're overwhelmed. You walk into this place, and there's a bunch of issues going on, and you know where do you start? And you start exactly where you're at. And I think that if you can simplify yourself to that point, to start where you stand, and then you can figure out where you are, and then what is important at that point, I think is, is very important. I think that Plexica helps out with that, um, especially in the planning process. Yeah, I love, I love that. That's a, I haven't heard that before. That's a great, great term. And I would, I would extend that to say, start where you stand, but to really understand the system, you have to, you have to stand in the places where most of the agents are standing because where they're standing and what they're seeing is going to determine their behavior and then all of those behaviors are going to add up in exponential ways to create the absolute hairball mess that you need to deal with. <laughs> and it is a, it's always a hairball mess, right? You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So uh, one, couple more questions that are coming up here. So yeah. one of the ones I love to ask is, what book, books? Our publication, do you recommend to somebody in emergency management? I'm going to twist a little bit. So what book, books, or publication do you recommend to somebody who is really interested in learning more about systems thinking and complex systems and, and what we've been talking about? Yeah, I, I, would, I would recommend in two different uh, categories. The first is uh, there's some great books on complexity if you want to understand kind of why complexity has underlying simple rules to it. Um, and, and some of those books are, are, you know, can range from accessible to slightly more technical, but I would recommend Complexity uh, by Mitchell Waldrop. I would also recommend Complexity by Melanie Mitchell. Um, and I would recommend uh, The Quark and the Jaguar by Murray Gelman, who was a, a Nobel Prize winning, he just recently passed. But uh, those three books are really great kind of primers in complexity science and why kind of against our better uh, notions and intuitions, why complexity has simplicity underlying it. 
And then if you want to get into the sort of systems thinking part, the, the cognitive aspect of how do you do these things, I, I, would, I guess I would recommend our books, The Systems Thinking Made Simple and um, Flock Not Clock, which is uh, two different books. One is for systems thinking and mapping, and the other, Flock Not Clock, is for kind of like how do you apply systems thinking to uh, organizations or at the organizational level. Oh, that's great. Oh, we'll uh, and we'll put the uh, the links to those books um, uh, in the in the show notes. If somebody's yeah. trying to get a hold of you, how can they find you? Uh, you can just search my name online, uh, but you can email me at dac66 at cornell.edu. Perfect. And again, if you guys are driving down the road and your pencils aren't sharp, don't worry; those two will be in the show notes. All right, Derek. So if you could talk to all the emergency managers in the world at, at one time, what piece <laughs> of wisdom would you give them? I would really, I would really just echo that simplicity underlies complexity that I, I, I understand that. I mean, you guys deal with some of the most hairbally complex systems in the world and they're not only are they complex, but they're, you know, life-threatening and they're and they're you know right in your face happening right now and so you know some of the most kind of hairball problems are the ones that your your audience deals with but even that level of complexity has underlying simple rules to it and um if you can understand what the individual people what rule set they're following and there is a rule set uh and and that that in them following those simple rules that leads to the kind of craziness that you're seeing, um, it can it can simultaneously get you to understand the complexity, but also understand how to leverage that simple rule set or change that simple rule set over time or that type of thing. So a lot of folks think that underlying complexity is complicated. And that what what science is showing us and research is showing us is that underlying complexity is a set of simple rules. Well, Derek, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, I appreciate everything that you do. Yeah, thank you. This was great.